Today on Hardwired. So this is what John sees, an apostate religious system that is gonna work in coordination with the Antichrist. When you read about something in Revelation, Babylon, you gotta go back. Where did it begin? It began in Genesis. So spiritual Babylon represents man's pride, rebellion, and the destruction that always accompanies a departure from God. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, today we're going to be talking about two very odd characters in the book of Revelation. We've been going through the entire book, and we're more on the other half side of the book of Revelation. And we're going to encounter two characters called a beast and a harlot. Well, who in the world is the beast and who is the harlot? Well, we're going to find out today. It's a great, great study. I encourage you, grab your Bible, grab something to write with, and let's take notes as we learn what John has to say and what was shown to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't wait to share part two of the message, A Beast and a Harlot. Let's jump right in. Where are we now? We're smack in the middle of high-level prophecy in Revelation 17. So, in our last time together, we did see the final three bold judgments poured out on a world that rather than repent, curses and blasphemes God as the judgments fall. Isn't that amazing? Now remember, there's 21 judgments that are poured out during what we call the Great Tribulation. Seven years of Great Tribulation. So, you got seven sealed judgments, and to me, they're terrible, but they're the mildest. Because when you come to the trumpets, it's worse. When you come to the bowls, it's the worst of the worst. Now, as we begin chapter 17, we're going to meet two mysterious characters, and they're going to be a real eye-opener. So the Apostle John is once again approached by one of the seven angels that had held one of the bowls. And this angel reveals something to John that astonishes him. Verse 1, chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Everybody say, say, what? So we have a mysterious character here. And the mysterious character is a great harlot. Now, not literally, of course. This harlot, we're going to see, represents a harlot religious system 
that's going to appear in the last days, great tribulation time period. And this really matters, folks, because I believe we're watching it, the beginnings of it form right now in our world. The fact that the great harlot is sitting on many waters symbolizes a vast worldwide influence. This religious harlot system that's going to appear in the great tribulation has corrupted the entire world. She's sitting on many waters picturesque of the entire world. In scripture, harlotry often refers to spiritual harlotry, idolatry. All right? Read the book of Hosea, and you'll hear about it over and over and over again. When people departed from God in the Old Testament, they were often addressed as spiritual harlots, idolaters. They had gone into spiritual harlotry. They had forsaken God. It's sold out. All right? So a departure from the true God results in a false apostate religious system. And that's what we're going to see forming in the Great Tribulation period. A false religious apostate system that will cover the globe. Now I want to say again, I believe we're watching that form right now. And I'm going to elaborate on that in just a moment. The constant refrain of the Old Testament prophets is to rebuke Israel and Judah for engaging in spiritual harlotry by their worship of idols. When they went worshiping idols, God said, you've gone into spiritual harlotry. And he judged them for it. They lost their nation. They lost their city. They lost Jerusalem. They lost everything God had given them because of spiritual harlotry. All right? So here we have this harlot sitting on many waters and that shows there's going to be a religious harlot system dominating the world in the Great Tribulation period. So this is what John sees, an apostate religious system that is going to work in coordination with the Antichrist. When you read about something in Revelation, Babylon, you got to go back. Well, where did it begin? It began in Genesis. So spiritual Babylon represents man's pride, rebellion, and the destruction that always accompanies a departure from God. So what is this mystery Babylon written across the harlot's forehead? I think it could very well be the godless, self-promoting, worldwide system Antichrist will put in place during the Great Tribulation, including the mark of the beast on either the back of your hand or your forehead. You'll be marked in the beast system and in the worldwide harlot apostate religious system that the Antichrist sidekick called the false prophet is going to oversee. Everybody say, this is deep. But folks, I believe we're, we're on track here. All right, now, next, John elaborates on the evil character of the harlot. Watch this. I saw the woman. She looked great on the outside, but guess what? She's drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Not only is this false religious system that will be a mix of all the different religions, all right? Jesus will have nothing to do with it. Christ will be nowhere in it. It will be false. Antichrist will be the God. It'll be false worship. False idolatry, all of that. Jesus will have nothing to do with it. 
But watch. Impressive on the outside, but drunk with the blood of the saints. What's this telling us? Her influence is not only going to be worldwide, but she's going to be drunk with the martyrs of Jesus. This false religious system will become the spearhead of persecution against God's true church. The tribulation saints, those that are saved after the rapture. Again, I don't want to backtrack too much, but remember I've told you, I believe the church that exists now will be gone. Everybody say rapture. We're going to be in heaven. A lot of people are going to be saved. Thousands. As a matter of fact, a countless number of people are going to be saved from the preaching of 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams and even an angel that will cover the earth with the message of the gospel. So there will be thousands saved during the Great Tribulation. And what will be their biggest enemy? This harlot church. Who's persecuting us now? The world? Yes. But have you noticed that there's a lot of criticism coming against the real church from people that claim to be saved? More and more and more. You you shouldn't believe that whole Bible. A lot of it's allegorical. Uh, A lot of it is symbolic. You shouldn't be calling this, that, and the other a sin. That's not what it means. You can't take it literally. Come on, join the crowd. Wise up. Come out of antiquity. Come out of being a Christian caveman. Get up to speed. Don't tell people they're in sin. We got to love everybody. Love will never judge. Love will never call anything wrong. Love will never call somebody out for their sin. But we're just to love everybody. And they have totally redefined love because love is not letting anybody ever they want and you sit by and watch them destroy themselves if you truly love them. You will say something. Love will speak. How many of you believe God loves you? When you go off into sin, does he take you to the woodshed? Does he judge you? Oh, yes. But this end-time apostate church is going to be totally different. It's not going to have any of the message of Christ. It'll have a form of godliness, but it'll deny the power thereof. And it will be the persecutor of the true Christians of the Great Tribulation period. And John says, when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now, John doesn't have to wonder about this vision for very long before the angel speaks. Now, look what the angel says in verse 7. The angel said to me, why would you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Okay, we're about to be told what this beast is. So next, the angel is going to identify the origin of the scarlet beast sitting on all the waters, that false religious system. Verse 8, this is going to sound mysterious, but hang with me, I'm going to explain it. The beast you saw was once alive, but isn't now. And yet, he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. What in the world does that mean? Well, according to John, let's just track it. According to John, the scarlet beast first exists, then disappears, then reappears again. And the angel gives a clue as to what this means. Verse 9, this calls for a mind with understanding. Everybody say with me, I've got understanding. Okay, John says, you got to have some understanding here from the Spirit of God. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. Well, that's easy. Most Bible scholars believe this is clearly talking about Rome that is known as the famous city of seven hills. 
So what is it telling us? The scarlet beast, this false religious system that's going to be there in the great tribulation period, deceiving the world? The handmaiden of the Antichrist is going to originate from Rome, Europe. John is telling us that the Rome that existed when he wrote the Revelation would exist for a time, then disappear, and then reappear at some time in the future. So John is predicting, catch this, a resurrected Roman Empire. Not the same buildings, laws, language, and so forth, but a resurrection of the culture and the character with which it is described in the Bible. You say, I didn't know it was described in the Bible. I'm so glad you said that, because now we're going to access the prophet Daniel. Because you can't understand the book of Revelation without Daniel, at least parts of it. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear. And that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel predicted the rise and fall of four world kingdoms, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. He foresaw in Daniel chapter 2, verse 40, that the fourth kingdom, Rome, would be strong as iron, the kingdom that would smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. And that is exactly what Rome did. Rome crushed every empire on the planet when Rome was in its full strength. It's an amazing description. It's completely accurate. It's amazing because when Daniel predicted this, he was in Babylon. And so he was predicting first the kingdom of Babylon. Then the, there, were, there would be the Medes and the Persians would take over Babylon. Then the Greeks would take over the Medes and the Persians. Then Rome would take over the Greeks. And he saw centuries of civilizations before they ever arrived. Are you with me? Only God can do that. And the only time you can do that is if God told you something you would never have known otherwise. Right? So Daniel's vision was completely accurate. One day the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had a very disturbing dream that disturbed and perplexed him. Without knowing details, God revealed it to Daniel. Not only the dream itself and the interpretation, and so Daniel relates the details of the king's astonishing dream. Let me just read it to you. Because it's one of the great portions of prophetic scripture that people say to me, how do I know the Bible is the word of God? I said, well, one way you know is the Bible prophecy. Because the Quran doesn't prophesy. Book of Mormon doesn't prophesy. Well, Book of Mormon did prophesy, and they've had to revise it, re-revise it, re-re-re-revise it, because all the prophecies didn't come to pass, so they had to make up new stuff. Right. No other religious book has dared to predict the future but the Bible. Everybody with me tonight? The Bible. 
So Daniel, by revelation, said to Nebuchadnezzar, You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you. Its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold. Nobody had told Daniel this. It was given to him in a dream. Now the head of fine gold, Babylon. Its chest and arms were of silver, Medes and the Persians. Medes, one arm, Persians, the other. Its belly and thighs of bronze, Greece. And its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. That's Rome. Nebuchadnezzar was blown away. And he said, is there anyone in our kingdom in whom resides the spirit of God like this man? Daniel goes on to explain it. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you're the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He's made you the ruler of all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. The head of gold was the king of Babylon. This was a compliment to Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon ruled the world with an all-controlling, efficient, powerful government for more than 80 years. But that's it, 80 years. Even so, Daniel predicts its demise with the rise of another kingdom. He says, but after your kingdom comes to an end, <laughs> he's telling Nebuchadnezzar, this is all coming to an end. You think you're something? You think you're a bag of chips and all that? All that in a bag of chips? But no, it's all coming to an end. There's only one kingdom that's never going to end. We're about to read about it. The next kingdom described by arms of silver was the Medo-Persian Empire. Rule the world for the next 200 years. So they made it 200 years. Babylon made it 80. The Medes and the Persians made it 200. But it will come to an end too, says Daniel. It's going to give way to another one. Verse 39, after that kingdom was fallen, a third kingdom represented by bronze is going to rise to rule the world. And the thighs of bronze represent the empire of Greece under Alexander the Great and his successors. And we, we read that after Alexander's death, Greece was divided amongst his four generals and was plagued with civil wars, eventually to be swallowed up by the fourth kingdom Daniel mentions in verse 40. Following Greece, there will be a fourth one. This is the one that matters to us. As strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. In verse 33, we find the king's dream included information on the legs of this fourth kingdom. Now, this is what matters to you and me. Watch this. Daniel says, its legs were of iron, but its feet were partly of iron, partly of baked clay. Now, the legs of iron represent the Roman Empire. It ruled from 30 B.C. to 476 A.D. So Rome lasted longer than any of the others, 500 years. Rome made it 500 years, but it came to an end. The two legs, because he saw two legs of iron and then two feet, part iron, part clay. The two legs were the eastern and the western divisions of the Roman Empire, which came to pass after the fall of Western Rome. Everybody with me? Then he says in verse 41, the feet and the toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing this kingdom is going to be divided, like iron mixed with clay. 
It'll have some of the strength of iron, but what, which some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. So here's what he's telling us. The feet and toes consisting of iron and clay is a prediction that Rome would reemerge one day represented by the iron, but it wouldn't be pure Roman culture, but it would be a mixture of different cultures we would say multicultural. So it's going to reappear. Where? Europe. Daniel adds one more thing that is sure to stir the heart of every Christian. And so catches everybody. Now he's looking and he says, now let me tell you what the feet mean. Rome's going to reemerge. But it was, and then it disappeared. I ask you, did Rome disappear? After 500 years, it disappeared. Eastern Rome lasted longer, but one day it disappeared. It's going to reappear. The character of Rome, the characteristics of Rome, ruling, dominant, demanding, oppressive, it's going to reemerge. And it's going to be a mixture of Rome, but other cultures are going to be involved in it. It's going to reappear. Now, we're going to see this a little bit more in later chapters, but keep that in mind. It's going to reappear the same way that it used to be, all right? And not like socialism, like Marxist, like controlling the way Rome was. Anybody that was under Rome hated Rome. They wanted out of Rome. The Jews wanted deliverance from Rome. That's what they thought Jesus was going to bring them. But Daniel saw something else. He says, as you watched, O king... A rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. So this revived Roman Empire, oppressive, controlling, used by the Antichrist, is going to be crushed. By what? He says, I saw the whole statue crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. And the wind blew them away without a trace, like shaft on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. What in the world is the stone cut without hands? Out of the mountain. What is that? The chief cornerstone. It's the return of Christ being pictured here. And when Jesus returns, this revived Roman Empire that is being ruled by Antichrist, that has all the characteristics of old ancient Rome, controlling, oppressive, miserable to be under, no freedom, under the mark of the beast, can't buy or sell without it, all the things that are characterized, this revived Rome, when Jesus appears, he's going to crush it. He's going to crush it. The stone cut without hands out of the mountain represents the rock of ages who's going to return to earth to destroy a one-world revived Roman Gentile government headed by the Antichrist. So we're getting a little foretaste of what he's going to go into in greater detail in later chapters, uh, and we've only got five left. But he's going to go into greater detail about it, but we're getting a little foretaste here. He's showing us that Christ is going to return and stop the worst war the world has ever seen, the War of Armageddon, and crush this horrible antichrist system 
that will have the whole world enslaved. And along with it, it'll crush this apostate religious system. It'll all be crushed, done away with, when Jesus appears in the cloud. So John's main point is this, and I close. Antichrist is going to rise out of a revived Roman Empire. And Messiah Jesus will ultimately crush this kingdom at the close of the Great Tribulation. And then comes the beginning of a brand new world. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-884. 3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.